down the far side, got a man open in the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills, what a pair of hands. Lehman showing blitz. There's the blitz. yesterday, man, they're scared. Damn scared. They're scared, and that's not to our advantage. You have to get a scared man, a scared team. Super job, you're a champion, undisputed champions. All right, everybody, welcome to the Bud, Barry, Bob, and Beer podcast. I'm your host, Kamiar Moravian, joined by my little compadre and Stephen Brown. Stephen, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm still recovering from the Fourth of July weekend, but overall, it's been a good. good one. It's been it's you know it's been a good one. It's been hot. I'm not a fan of the heat. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, uh, my birthday was the third, so it's always convenient. My parents told me as a kid the fireworks for me on my birthday. I felt <laughs> special, and then I grew up, and I was like, these people are liars. Um, but. The, the third was you know pretty nice like it was like cool out and then but the fourth came and they, and they got really humid really fast but it was like the hottest day of the year of all time yeah other well we know yeah that like 105 107 day not that long ago no no, no like overall like oh yeah that yes that is correct and i, I was uh, like really sunburned now and then we did we were talking about before the podcast, we're talking about just like random fireworks. Um, do you have any crazy fireworks stories that you remember from this year? Not really. I mean, like we tied a couple. One year we did shoot a mortar shell out of my friend's mailbox and into like it was like an eighty-year-old tree or something like that, like super nice tree. Yeah, uh, somewhere up in North Edmond, like the really nice neighborhoods, and caught it on fire. That was pretty dumb, but that was. How many years ago was that? I was in high school, so oh, okay. I don't know, like what? Thirteen 16, years 17? ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I uh, that pains me to say that. I learned that. Yeah, I know. I I learned that my cousin last year had a Roman candle. Did not realize that he was holding it backwards, lit this thing on oh. fire. And it kept it was blasting him in the chest, <laughs> but apparently instead of just dropping it, he just kept on like he was like ah, like screaming, uh, and he like was not letting go of the Roman candle, still hitting him in the chest. And we're like, just drop, just drop the damn thing. But I did. Someone shot a Roman candle at me this year and lit my Roman candle on fire. So like he shot it and hit mine and nice. lit mine. That was pretty cool. That's like some movie stuff, like some Lord of the Rings stuff, man. Like slow mo. Looking back, I was like, "Damn, that's that was pretty good." But at the time, I was like, "Why are you shooting that at me?" Roman candles are fun until you give them to the wrong person, or just just fireworks in general. Uh, Jason Pierre Paul. I mean, you go to work <laughs> and then you come back from over the weekend, and you're like, "Hey, I'm missing three fingers," and they say, "Why?" Like, well, Fourth of July. Can you imagine going to like any Couple regular beers job? And, uh firework will do it yeah going in any regular jobs because he was an you know and he's an NFL athlete he still plays right and he's actually still pretty good with that club 
and or whatever he has now and but like any normal desk job you go to like on a monday and like your hand in the oh, yeah, stump and uh, like what happened uh, fireworks you know it just <laughs> i don't know it's just a little bit weird anyways we get a lot to talk about uh about fo- football not a lot has really changed over this last week regarding Oklahoma Sooners um you know it is july they're just going through workouts with uh, jerry schmidt of course you know they didn't have that much time this week obviously for the holiday but um there's not a lot to talk about but the preseason big 12 all-american list came out um first of all i think the first thing that people noticed was uh it wasn't being there only being one sooner on the list I think it was the idea that the name of the Sooner on the list was Ethan Downs. Uh, what is the, does that say anything to you whatsoever? Not necessarily like at the disparage of the team or like of Ethan Downs or whatever, but does, does that say anything to you about him being the only one uh, on that list? I don't think people are surprised by that. Like if anything else, maybe you put like a Woody Washington up there, but I'm not sure. Like, even his season, if you had some injuries and stuff like that, like, he doesn't really deserve to be on it. It's a preseason list, and there's not too much value there. But I guess, you know, some of the writers and stuff out there do value Ethan Downs and his production last year, despite what some OU fans think. Like, to me, it told it, it said that a lot of these folks, especially, really just pay attention to the stats, you know, tackles for loss, sacks, things that were happening earlier on in the season when Oklahoma started off three, you know, and of course the things that didn't happen later in the season where he just really disappeared and kind of fell off the face of the earth is pretty odd. And so for that guy to be on the list, instead of maybe a guy like Desan McCullough, which I think is interesting because they already knew of his pedigree coming from Indiana uh, over to the big 12. But what I also think is just, that nobody really knows what's going on. I mean, <laughs> I mean this 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 league and this league, the Big Twelve. I mean, everybody there. There's there's so much parity. There's there. Nobody really knows who's going to do what. Uh, there was a lot of Kansas on the list. There was a lot of there's a lot of Kansas schools uh, here. Uh, does this say anything to the to you about the Big Twelve that? no single team was really dominating the all American list. Yeah. It just kind of, it, it says a lot where OU and, and Texas were last season, as far as just sure. kind of, there's so much turnover on OU side and Texas is still figuring out things quarterback wise uh, that, I mean, no one really knows what this conference is going to look like. And you're adding several new teams here. So yeah. you're trying to mix them into it as well. And, and I think a lot of people are going to look at this list and say, you know, who is so-and-so from Cincinnati, like Dante, uh, whatever his name is. Yeah, that, that's uh, what I think. And that's what I think people are so missing is just that a, they had four teams. Year. Yeah, like there are four teams or four new teams represented here. It's not just the Big 12, but 10 teams. Now it's the Big 12, but it's 14 teams because like BYU is represented here. Cincinnati's represented here. I didn't see any no, yeah. Houston or UCF or as they don't like to be called uh, Central Florida, the University of Central Florida, if you will. 
but uh i, I just i thought it was really interesting like like uh to your point like there's it's it's not an OU dominated Big Twelve first of all, Texas, albeit they do have the most representation on this team, are they're they're right next to TCU, they're right next to Kansas State, they're right next to KU. There's so there's so much parity in that anybody can kind of win this league and or the Riders that be also are just trying to throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. That's what it also feels like. I don't know. Like, do you get that sense? Yeah, it's, it's just, this is like a one of a kind year and it will probably go through this next year when Oklahoma goes to the SEC and, sure. and have a weird mix up in that preseason poll. But right now it's just kind of like, who was the best player on this team? And is you know, do they deserve a spot? So, and right now Oklahoma doesn't really have that many impact players returning outside mm-hmm. of maybe like a Stutzman. Yep. But even then, like Johnny Hodges is, is a really good player. Colin Oliver is a really good player, despite what Oklahoma State is at the moment. So I could kind of get behind it. And, and it's just maybe this is just fuel to the fire that OU needs to kind of have a wake up call this summer. Yeah. And I, I've seen I've seen like the argument on uh, everywhere that like, well, I mean, while people are complaining because I'm not complaining by any means, I'm just like, just throwing it out there. Like I, I thought it was interesting that Ethan Downs is even listed to be quite honest. Um, if, I thought if I were, Bothroyd might get a spot here. I thought but... Bothroyd might get a spot. Uh, I thought the son would get a spot uh, because he was, uh, I think uh, on, on three or somewhere he was labeled as um, an all American, a freshman, all American in Indiana. And, uh, but I mean, they don't necessarily have, the cheetah position for him to be right. here. Like he would be listed as a safety or defensive back or edge linebacker. Like he's going to be playing everywhere. I mean, I remember when Roy Williams was playing uh, under Brent and Mike, they originally listed him in the season as a safety. And then they also kept on listing him as a linebacker. And then by the national title game, they really didn't know what to list him as. And so, because he was a tweener, he was the, the first, like that first the cheetah guy. Cheetah and era. yeah, like they didn't know what the hell to call him. And that's why he was so effective with the Cowboys too in Dallas. And so I think there's just so much parody. I think that there's a lot of things to talk about, about like regarding it. Uh, just, I think it's just like fodder to talk about uh, something that the media has to do. Um, preseason polls, like especially when preseason rankings come out, like when all that comes out, these these lists don't mean anything. These these lists ab- absolutely mean nothing. And I've seen the argument thrown out there that Oklahoma went six and seven last year. They should be just perfectly happy. They even got one guy on the list, uh, let alone zero. But at the same time, like I don't disagree with that take. But at the same time, I don't care if that makes sense. I mean, it's preseason. Nobody knows what really anybody has. So I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Were there names on the OU roster? You mentioned Bothroyd and Stutzman already. Were there any other names on the roster they could, you think could make the list? I mean, like I mentioned McCullough. You mentioned Bothroyd and Stutz. Is there really anybody else? Are you talking about preseason or just preseason? At the end of the day? Pre preseason. Preseason, not really. Like the closest I would have is maybe, like maybe a Javante Barnes because I think he'll end up there at the end of the season. Like, a lot I think of this Richard is based Reeson, on hype. 
<laughs> Richard Reese and Devin Hill are really good running backs, but I think at the end of the day, there's there's not much between them and, and what Javante Barnes could be. So mm-hmm. that'd be the only name I would watch on offense. Yeah. And that, that's it. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, I remember last year at this point when we were talking about the offense, I thought Eric Gray was a guy perfect for Jeff Levy's offense as far as thousand yard rusher and catching balls out of the backfield. That's exactly what he did. He took advantage of that. I mean, especially with Bill Beatenbow's co- coaching and uh, for the offensive line that came together a little bit, you know, as the year went along, they, stopped using the GT counter as much and use a lot more stretch plays um, and off the edge. But it, it's, it's just interesting to see that. And so, I mean, I can't, I can't really think of any other guy that I would say for sure. He's a, he's a shoe in for this preseason. I mean, yeah, I saw someone like mentioned Stogner, but Stogner didn't really put up any stats at, at Carolina. At South Carolina, exactly. Because yeah. that, so, that was immediately what I was It's a very special tight end, so there's just no way I'd put Stogner above there. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And at that point, you're like, you're like, well, like, what about the offensive line? And, well, that offensive line, I mean, do you see any room for any guys to possibly even crack that rotation from <laughs> OU's current position in Tyler or Guyton Guyton was a name that popped in my head that they're excited about, but he hasn't shown to be like the one of the best in the conference, you know? Right. And so like Harrison, there's not really not like that many returning names. You can just shoe in. And so like, just, just by the numbers, by the way, Texas has five, five selections preseason by the way again i'm just i'm listening this off just in general so you guys can hear it or see it if you're watching on youtube but um i i don't care but it's just an acknowledgement texas has five selections kansas and kansas state actually both have four uh oklahoma state has three tcu has four as well uh texas tech has two and cincinnati has two and oklahoma has ethan downs there which i, I just thought like that was interesting as far as like any possible snubs or anything. I was just surprised that he was the guy. I mean, again, again, I'm not crappy on Ethan downs, but I was certainly surprised. I mean, did I did not hear his name that much toward the end of the season, especially during conference play. You heard it a little bit at the beginning of the season uh, or a bit at the beginning, but you didn't really hear it toward the end. Um, so I just I just thought that was an interesting thing. When he was the guy that they brought to make Big 12 Media Days last year, they thought he might have been a good piece for them, but then hardly saw playing time down the stretch. He got his snaps reduced. But Oklahoma, they continue to like they don't have like these big like splashes of commits as far as like, oh, we've got three four star commits in one day, or we've got this thing here, like like, like a lot of other schools are doing right now um heck oklahoma i think i think because uh, ivan carrion commits to oklahoma decommits from texas tech uh you got the emmett jones connection there by the way six six and 196 wide receiver tight end kind of looking guy just like long athlete big body and um this is oklahoma's first like or not their first but another four, uh, four star consensus 
but they don't have that many uh, commits. I think this is like their 11th or 12th in comparison to other teams that have 15 on the books, 17, 18 on the books already. And we already know that Oklahoma is going to fill this class out at 25 or so, uh, at least 25. And so I say that with all that to say, um, what is Oklahoma getting in this? Because when I meant, when we talked about this not that long ago, you mentioned he could be more of a tight end asset as far as like a guy that is going to maybe put on some good weight, uh, maybe kind of a guy like a Grant Calcaterra style, if you will. Is that what you're thinking? Because he's not, he's, he's definitely not a Mark Andrews guy. He's not going to carry that many, that much weight. I mean, Mark Andrews is pretty skinny coming out of his, his junior year. How skinny was he? You can go back and look at the pictures. He's probably, but he's like 205. Was he really like that? He bulked up his senior year, but even then, after he bulked up, he wasn't, you know, just a monster, right? But I mean, as far as Ivan carry on, I don't think it's like written in stone that he would end up as a, a tight end, kind of like Calcaterra, Mark Andrews, just because uh-huh. of his build. But I don't think it's off the table, and I think they're just going to take him and see kind of where he goes as far as just physically developing. Like if he's going to be a guy that holds. 230 240 you know maybe he's just destined to be like a an inside wide receiver but at the same time you know he is he a 215 guy he's just gonna play outside wide receiver so it's a guy that they they have some options with and i think they're just kind of waiting to see where he develops and that's a good point i mean um george kittle who played right down the road from oklahoma uh he was what like 180 something when he arrived at Iowa and um oh who was the who's the other tight end that was from Iowa North. State yeah I went to Iowa uh, State Charlie Kolar 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 yeah. was like 195 uh so that kind of tracks I suppose I mean he's 6'6 196 was at Tech now with Emmett Jones on staff and like let's specifically specifically talk about Emmett Jones like He's pretty significant to this staff, especially the recruiting. I mean, like he seems like one of their guys that they bring in as a closer. Uh, he has really great relationships with high school coaches all around, especially Texas. And that's big for Oklahoma. Um, what else do you think Emmett Jones does bring to the table other than his con- connections to these high school coaches that he can say, Hey, we're going to bring them in the program. They're not only going to grow as athletes and maybe mature into NFL players, but as men as well. Uh, what, what is it? What does that do for you? I mean, like Joey McGuire, Joey McGuire is doing it right now at tech as a former head uh, coach in Texas at football. And he went to D one and, and immediately beat Oklahoma and went to a bowl game. I mean, like <laughs> it's crazy, right? Uh, so talk about Emma Jones. Yeah, Emmett Jones is he's kind of like a, a Joey McGuire light right now. Like maybe he has the same career trajectory and we just don't see it yet. But he's a guy that is just so well known in Texas, has all his relationships across the high school scene. But he's also a guy that just puts an emphasis on developing. And I think he has a good track record of kind of showing what he can make someone into as far as just, uh, you know, a wide receiver. And not just like a high end college wide receiver, but also an NFL guy like like. Uh, Eric Azucama would be his most recent mm-hmm. guy there. So yeah, um, I think you kind of look at it's similar to like a Dennis Simmons thing. Cause Dennis Simmons was still known for, uh, I went to tech and beat Texas. What's his name? Big time wide receiver. 
Crabtree? Crabtree. So I'm the, like when he came in, everyone's like, yeah, this is the guy that coached Crabtree, developed Crabtree, and that's what they hung their, their hat on. So sure. um, this is a guy that, that's known for development, and we'll just kind of see where it goes. But he seems like a guy that's kind of destined to have that, that Joe McGuire career trajectory. I mean, and it's paying off. I mean, it's it's paying off more the way than one, especially with the wide receivers. I mean, sure, he's going to have them ready to go that they actually have a wide receiver coach from <laughs> from this from spring to summer. They knew who their wide receiver coach is, what his kind of like mindset is on the room on the wide receiver room, and also going into fall instead of the weird shit that happened with kale all last year and then you suddenly have i have already forgot his name to be quite honest the the interim wide receivers coach uh, uh lj washington i think or no it was no it was not lj washington and see that's what i'm saying and like i mean I don't, i'm not trying Something to disrespect washington. the guy uh but i mean it's just good to have an established name that's well respected uh around several schools especially and and also in the state of Texas, just in general, a guy that's really in the, uh, that's really been catching some flack specifically on staff right now um, is Bill Beatenbow. Why is Bill Beatenbow catching so much hate on Twitter.com? And now I guess uh, <laughs> what what is it called again? We were just talking about it it? Threads. Threads. Uh, You're on Threads. Go, I'm not on Threads. I, I'm on Threads. It's it's the same at it's K underscore Morabian, but the, I, somebody already took that name on Instagram somehow. Uh, I don't know how they have that. So it's K underscore Morabian underscore. So it's it's pretty simple to find me. It's the same stuff on Twitter. But uh, Bill Beatenbow is catching is catching crap. I mean. Why? 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 Every year this we go through this and every year it needs to be acknowledged that he is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. And if Oklahoma dumped him, a top tier program would be on his tail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just a weird season as far as recruiting for offensive line linemen, because there's just not that many high end ones. Um, and if there are, they're all at tackle. So. Yeah. Um, you look at kind of like what Oklahoma has been known as, as kind of getting this, I don't want to call it a second tier, but maybe that middle echelon of, of offensive linemen in like the 250, and they've kind of made their name and it's, that's their bread and butter. Uh, there's no first tier anymore in this class. So those Alabamas, the Clemsons, Florida State, all those programs are now looking at the same guys where Oklahoma kind of feasted. So now it's just a big competition. And that's nothing against Bill Beedmo. Mm-hmm. He's going to win some battles eventually, but it's just not, at least right now in the current cycle, there's just not that many high-end guys to go for. And when you look at Twitter, they're looking, you know, where's our top 100 offensive guard? Sure. Well, there's only like four of them, I think, right now. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe there's just three. So I um, think people should stop bitching because Caden Green could probably start for this team in the second half of the season. There's a chance. There's a chance that happens, but... He's it's just that a good weird cycle, and people just look at stars, and you know, stars do matter. But, they do, they do. Uh, this cycle specifically, there's just not that much high end talent, especially around Texas. It's like when you go and when you're playing NCAA football, like the video game, and you know, going into the offseason after playing a full season, that your team is in not necessarily desperate need but definitely could use a few guys that are like decent three-star guys, four-star guys, maybe at the safety spots or 
um, at or at like the outside linebackers or like at the at the tackle spots, and you actually you go to recruiting and you find out that there aren't very many, especially in in the pipeline states you've established, and that's essentially what's happening. And so I expect Oklahoma to vet a lot of guys. I expect Oklahoma to branch out uh, outside of Texas as well. I mean, this may be another situation where you you see guys getting picked up from states you haven't been used to seeing Oklahoma get picked up, uh, oh, kids get picked up from, and that's okay. Uh, just because, like Stephen said, like those pipelines are not dry. It's just it's slim pickings. I mean, there's not that much within their pipeline states, so it's just taking them a little bit longer. And as far as like Bill Beatembo. I mean, I think the performance speaks for itself, like year in and year out, even with Lincoln Riley's uh, workout regimen for the guys, if you will, like their toughness, <laughs> even the as they're Benny Wiley, uh, yeah, P90X the, workout, the Lincoln Riley, Benny Wiley P90X. Hey, if you can run this amount of time in this time uh, and slim down, cool. But that's not what got them to the playoffs the first time. Uh, they had Jerry Schmidt still there, right? 2015. I believe the J- they still had Jerry Schmidt in 2015. Was was he still there? Was it when Riley took over that he was out? He would have been there in 2015, I believe. Yeah, I think I think so. Um it sounds about that sounds right because Bob Bob didn't leave and Jerry Schmidt didn't leave with him, right? Correct. Right. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, and so, I mean, you have the Jerry Schmidt one in 2015 and 2016. You still have those guys, and that's the you know the what it, what the best offensive line uh, award winning guys like they guys like Cody Ford. Not guys that were just highly touted because those Cody Ford was a three star to a lot of services. But they developed big dudes that wanted to maul other guys, and um, it. Bill Beatenbow has was one of the best hirings of Bob's staff, and he's still there. And again, if Oklahoma ever dropped him, a big name program would be more than happy. Like I've talked to Texas people, I've talked to so many other people in the Big Twelve that cover the these college football teams that said. Uh, if Oklahoma, I don't know why Oklahoma fans are unhappy with Bill Beatenbow, but if they're happy that Oklahoma's unhappy or Oklahoma fans are unhappy with Bill Beatenbow because if they were to drop him, they'd love to snatch him up in Austin. They'd love to snatch him up, you know, in Stillwater, yada yada. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if Bill's going to go that far necessarily for this next step in his retire. because his kids are getting a little bit older and he's getting up there. So I mean. Like I, I agree. I think he would more retire than anything else. So and I think that's another reason why he was able to get the job because Brent got the job. And there's a lot of people that can vouch for Bill Beatenbow, especially Bob Stoops, uh, who that was like his first big hire that made a difference post 2014. That was a big deal for them. And so speaking of uh, parody that we talked about earlier, especially between the all American list that don't mean, shit especially <laughs> when the rankings come out as far as how people do the power rankings which don't mean shit uh dark horse candidates literally everybody is a dark horse dark horse candidate in the big 12 this year maybe uh what team would you say is like the least likely to be a dark horse candidate because they just are probably going to be awful 
least likely. Yeah. Oh man. Because Oklahoma I mean, I State, like for a, some yeah. for some reason, Oklahoma State Oklahoma always State. overperforms when they're supposed to really underperform. This might be the year they actually underperform. Like they just don't look good on paper, and I know they have a few transfers coming in, but it's just so bad. You lose your starting quarterback to the portal, and you don't really replace him with much. So, I would say probably Oklahoma State. They're probably on the the bottom half of the Big Twelve. Yeah, I would, and I, I would, I would definitely say that. I mean that, and like, and we'll get to that in a little bit. As far as like, who finishes the top path? Because this league is stupid. This league is bad. I and like, it's 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 just like, no, I don't mean bad as far as like, it's just a bad league with full of bad teams. It's just the oddest year, but it's the coolest year because in the final year that Oklahoma and Texas are in the Big Twelve, every. Nobody knows who the hell is going to win the, the, the conference. Nobody knows yeah. who's going to even be in the conference championship game. Oh, it's we also did... added like West Virginia into that list. Like West With Virginia is not that good. Yeah. Neil Brown yeah. might not make it through the season. And Andy Facemeyer of the Smoking Musket would attest to that. And he was, he, uh, he mentioned if Oklahoma and Texas had left a year earlier, that it would have been so odd for Neil Brown's final win to be against Oklahoma and West Virginia's would have actually finally won against OU. That's so wild to me. Gosh. That's that's insane. But it's it's just it, there's so many teams. I mean there there can be an argument made for Oklahoma making a like the Big 12 t- title game. There can be an argument ma- uh, made for Texas. Oddly enough, um I'm and I think Oklahoma, I think Kansas State, there's lots of arguments for them. Baylor, they're you, you, very well coached. Oddly enough, despite the fact that Kansas has four guys on that preseason list or whatever, I don't think anybody takes Kansas seriously as far as a Big 12 title matchup. I don't think anybody takes them serious as actually getting to Jerry World. Do you? Uh, I think they, still, they're I discredited, yeah. Because look you look face. at... The thing is, like, Oklahoma and Texas were just in the dumps last year that it makes it seem like Kansas's growth and all their success is just an anomaly. But they're actually, you know, making a pretty good program out of it. So I I would say, yes, they should be in contention for the Big 12. But, you know, a lot of people are going to look like, oh, you know, it's just a bad year for you in Texas. Or it's a bad year for so-and-so. Jalen Daniels did get hurt. We need to acknowledge that. That's true. Last last year. He did get hurt, and it it changed the – trajectory of the team what was the the backup quarterback i i and i can picture him i know who you're talking about people I mean, he had the overtime s- throw yeah. that was just off the back of the end zone to win that game and that's that's very much kansas so i mean they still have elements of their bad self but it feels like they're moving in the right direction to me the reason why kansas is not like a legitimate big 12 title contender don't get me wrong I've been high on Kansas for like the last damn like four years. Like, I don't know why. I just can't quit them. Okay. Uh, it's like the family guy kind of like uh, it's turned to a meme now, but it's the family guy video of the cookie, cookie monster running into the, like the bathroom stall and lighting cookie dough on a spoon. Like it's crystal meth. Um, like that's me in Kansas. I'm like, I swear to God, Kansas is going to win like one conference game, two conference games this year. And I said that like four or five years ago. 
And it's like every year, I'm like, they keep they, they keep on improving like marginally. And then Lance Leipold gets there and he's like freaking to the moon. They just they start doing everything as a team. They start doing they start to ha- have an identity, which is big for them. Kansas didn't have an identity for the longest time. They also didn't have a football coach that held them to a standard. And now that they have an identity, which is big time, I mean, Kansas State, they 100% have an identity. They know who they are. And so it's easy to play like that, especially to lean into that style. Kansas also has an identity too, and that matters, but I don't think they have the depth just yet. I think they've got some fantastic players. They're bringing in some great players. I mean, heck, one of their other running backs, I mean, as a former student of mine, I check in on him all the time, Daniel Hyshaw. He's from right down the street. Uh, I mean, Kansas is good. Their run game is great. And I expect Jalen Daniels to be even more improved from last year. But I don't think they have the depth just because they've been Kansas for this long and they haven't necessarily recruited the best athletes. But do I think that comes along uh, if Lance Leipold stays and does not use Kansas as a stepping stone for the next three to four years? I think by then, with the, that version of the Big 12, I think definitely next year and the year after, we're talking. Is that fair? Or do you that, think I'm still being a little bit too harsh? Like, be honest. I think it's it's somewhat fair. I think I want to see where Kansas goes after OU and Texas leaves the Big 12 because I think recruiting mm-hmm. overall in that conference is going to take a hit. But, I mean, they can still be within that conference a top five or six team with Lance Leopold as coach, but I don't, you know, we'll see where that goes. I know they just gave him a new contract extension to keep him there for, I think what two or three more years until it kind of gets the buyouts, not that much. So it's going to be hard for them to keep Lance Leopold, but you know, what can they do within those two to three, three year window and then go from there? Because maybe it's just like a Matt Campbell situation. Maybe he yeah. just likes it. No wrong. I mean, I think Matt but Campbell I think, doesn't. I, I I think Matt Campbell fakes liking it. I think he, I think he let a great opportunity slip through his fingers, I'd agree. and I think he yeah. regrets that. I mean, uh, of course, he's not gonna ever say that. I would. He would never publicly admit that. But I imagine that's a thought in the back of his head when Brock Purdy and all those dudes came back for the extra year, and they did absolutely shit with it. I imagine yeah, he I thought think him I, not jumping I don't to a, a larger stage. I think he's probably like, well, shit. And it, it was how many cool. years am I going to wait until I have that lighting in a bottle again? Yeah. I mean, like he had a, a quarterback playing for the Niners almost got him the, to the, to the, to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was wild, you know? And, you know, they have the third largest stadium or second largest stadium in the big 12 right now. Currently. Well, I don't know how big is BYU stadium now. BYU. I'm not sure about BYU, but I know going, Iowa State's I'm, somewhere around sixty something over sixty. I was Iowa State is definitely second or third largest. Um, I think Texas is one. I think Iowa State is third behind OU. It could be wrong, uh, but they have a big, they have a pretty right. large stadium. And Provo, God, I'm going there. I got, I got, I got to get there for <laughs> for this season. That's I mean, your it's one not shot. That, it's not that far away from Salt Lake City. I bet the people will be really, really nice. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, man, man. Speaking of BYU, let's let let's go ahead and 
let's talk about like all this stuff. I mean, like anybody can be a dark horse. The media does not know what the hell is going to happen in the Big 12. They just know it can be a lot of fun because there is so much parody. And there are so many question marks for several teams, actually. Even the top teams that people think there are question marks, which is beautiful, but also like enraging. That's why everybody's like, especially in Big 12 country, getting really, really amped up for football season because we now we actually get to see the pads on and the scoreboards on as well. So what are the teams as far as Actually, let me back up. We mentioned this earlier. Who do you have in your top six? Uh, or not your top six, your top seven, because there's 14 teams. Who do you have in your top seven as far as the big the Big 12? Who's in there? You don't have, I'm not saying in any particular order, but who's in that, who's in the who's in the top seven, or if you want to, honestly. We can even break this down into tiers as far as com- uh, competitors. And then you have like, you know, group of, you know, good teams. And then you have below average teams and then your bad teams. So you, you could even do it like that. I don't care either way. Tierless. I don't know if I would do a tier list for this season just because there's so much parity. So just yeah. be like, these are the teams that could win or these are teams that probably don't have a chance at all. Uh, but I can go top seven. That's fine. Okay, so, so like, I would go obviously yeah. OU and OU and Texas in there. So there's two, uh, Kansas State, Baylor, uh, maybe TCU. Like I'm not sold on TCU just yet. So like they would be like oh that seven spot, but I guess I'll throw them in there. Um, let's see, two more Texas Tech and BYU maybe. Interesting. Because I'm not going to put Houston in there. I'm not going to put Cincy in there. Not Oklahoma State. It's it's the it's, a, UCF, it's at the very maybe. bottom of the top seven, and that's at the very top of the bottom seven where it gets tough. Where there's right. those fringe things really come into play, and that's why all this is like completely bullshit, right? Is because nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, all the like Houston. UCF or Central Florida because it pisses them off. Uh, Cincinnati, who Oklahoma's already played up in Cincinnati uh, over uh, not that long ago. I mean, well, heck, it was I guess like eleven years ago. Jesus Christ! Um, and um, times relative. And, and BYU. I mean, you, you you've added four teams, and you you, you just don't know what's going to happen with these guys. I mean, and they're all so proud to unveil the. Look at our new jerseys. That's not an American patch. That's the Big 12 patch. Look at us. <laughs> we can get four-star tight ends now. Like UCF is on is killing it with Gus Malzahn on the recruiting trail with that Big 12 uh kind of like logo. I mean, like, he is really wearing that thing out. And it, it's it's interesting to think about it like that because I thought the Big 12 sucked. That was the narrative for how many years? And now it's attracting people to the programs houston cincinnati byu is already popular and now ucf in particular i mean they're florida you don't want to go to an sec school you don't want to go to an acc school you can win championships if in orlando i mean it's tough like yeah. the narrative top- changes so fast but at the same time i don't think the big 12s 
ever been worse than the ACC third, like they yeah. pretty much tied with the ACC other than, you know, Clemson, which is a powerhouse. Yeah. It's like, like the ACC would but have the rest Clemson, of the ACC sucks. The Clemson, North Carolina, maybe Pittsburgh on a given year. Uh, and then not too much after that. And, but the like Big Florida 12, state's making a comeback. Like Florida state could legitimately yep, yeah, be a playoff team. So I'll, I'll give them that. But like, but in the past, I mean, Oh, it's been OU. And then a few other teams that are, you know, in the mid twenties, you know, Oklahoma state somehow has still been hanging around. Uh, Texas wasn't there. Baylor was hanging around. TCU was hanging around stuff like that. Um, but OU was a dominant one, especially under the Lincoln Riley era. Um, and then as I went, especially when Bob hired him as well in 2015, when he came on the staff for the last, gosh, now it's been, uh, it was six years, um, because last year had been the seventh year or whatever, or, or no, I'm getting time wrong. Seven years, not eight. And um, it's it's just so interesting to see how all this has changed. Like my my top seven, the exact same teams, except instead of BYU, I have UCF. I mean, this is why I say yeah. BYU is in my bottom seven, but they could be fringe. Yes, they went eight and five last year. Uh, they beat the pants off of South Florida. They beat Baylor in double overtime. They got their crap rocked versus Oregon. They beat Wyoming by a couple scores. They beat Utah State by a couple scores. They lose to Notre Dame. They lose to Arkansas, who drops 50 on them. They lose to Liberty, 14 to 41. They lose to East Carolina, and then they rip off three straight wins, Boise by three, Utah Tech, and then Stanford. And then they end up winning by one point against SMU in the bowl game. Uh, The only thing that gives me pause about saying, hey, they're going to be a legitimate team here, is that they return eight people or they have eight seniors that are projected to be starting on the offense this coming year. And they have six seniors that are projected to be starting on the defense this coming year with transfers in mind included. And so that's the reason why I, I say BYU is like, eh, they're a fringe like UCF BYU to me, UCF has been having a lot more success playing against similar competition. I think it's fair. I think uh, Gus Malson's a good coach. So I would give the coaching advantage to UCF. But at the same time, BYU is just like recruiting wise, they're kind of like Iowa State. They just find dudes that are ball players, and also twenty-eight-year-old guys after their mission trips. And that stuff. helps too. Like physically, it's kind of like TCU. Like everyone, like there actual is old. grown man strength. Like all of TCU's players were like what 24, 25? Yeah, those like they, they had so. so many grad transfers the last year, and they're all and a lot of them are gone, and so that's why, like like you said earlier. I'm not sure about TCU because they lost a lot. And Max, we found out, especially, I mean, like Oklahoma didn't have a quarterback for the majority of that game because Dylan Gabriel got knocked out and then subsequently was outrolled for the Texas game. But we found out that year, specifically in the Big 12 title game to the, uh, to the semifinal, to the final, Max Duggan was the dude that made that team go. And he's no longer there. Now, I get they got Chandler Morris and he, former Sooner Chandler Morris, by the way. And I think he'll do actually pretty well. 
who didn't he play SMU for a second or am I wrong? No, that was Mordecai. Mordecai. Mordecai did. Yeah. Or there was like rumor. I don't know. I thought there was like rumors or something like that. Or maybe. Oh, his dad, his dad, his dad did coach that SMU or something like that. Right. Chad. He coaches in the, he coaches Allen in the, in the Dallas area. Okay. I don't know why. Down the street. Anyways. But Chandler Morris is there. Uh, uh, Oklahoma will get a dose of Mordecai as well, or you know whoever's at SMU at that point. Um, I don't know who's at SMU now because Mordecai went to I think Wisconsin. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. they had, I mean, in the no, you had an, another no. Oh, you had another guy go to Wisconsin, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, was it Evers? Yes, Nick Evers. Yep. yep. His mom He's was very too. vocal on Twitter. Went to Wisconsin to not be recruited over, and then a week later, uh, Tanner Mordecai shows up. So they had like that's a fun four story to watch. Up. Yeah, they had like three or four guys show up. They they so they clearly needed a the uh, guy that can throw a ball. I mean, speaking of Oklahoma, they did end up getting a pitcher from the Big Ten as far as softball goes, and in Patty Gasso. So kudos to trade. Kudos to her, um, and so. What does this tell you about the Big 12? Like, does this make you excited about the Big 12? Does this make this? Because it, what it signifies to me is that Oklahoma, especially post Lincoln Riley era, of course, he's he did he, he the bolt the, the semantics of we took players from the portal. That's some BS. Like, it was very clear that there were conversations held behind the scenes, especially with Caleb Williams, that he would finish out the year and then in good faith and then go join him at USC with uh, with Super Mario Williams. And uh, it signifies to me that Texas is getting a bit better under Sark, that they're kind of getting some of their ducks in a row and they should have a breakout season, but doesn't mean they will because that's Texas every single year. Um, you also have seen Oklahoma not have as much talent on that field. It's quite frankly, just not much talent. And then when you have not much talent combined with a lack of strength conditioning, uh, that sometimes stretch that strength conditioning. If you are not the most talented person in the world, uh, in the fastest person in the world, which Oklahoma had a lot of speed under Lincoln Riley. I mean, that was the whole moniker, right? Especially for the defense. Uh, the next best thing you can do is beat the hell out of the other living op- of, of, of the opponent, like Kansas State does, like the Baylors do, like the TCUs do. You maul them in the trenches. I mean, that's another reason why Emmett Jones is so valuable. He, Dejon Terry from Kansas went to yeah. Tennessee. Little like, connection there. He had that connection, and Dejon Terry is going to be in in that lineups for so many snaps. Um, it's it's so interesting. I see like a downfall of Oklahoma, not necessarily like the downfall of Oklahoma. Obviously not, because they're in the conversation for for contention for a title, maybe for the Big Twelve. Um, but nobody knows. And so that's what I that's what I think it means. But also Kansas has a good coach right now. Kansas State has a wonderful coach that they all bitched about at the very beginning. And I was like, why is everybody upset with Kleiman? He knows what he's doing. He's won several national titles. Um, and then Sark, we'll see. You know, jury's always out on Texas, but everything else seems kind of odd. OSU is I mean, when their season ended, it looked like the bottom fault of their program. TCU. 
everybody's done graduating. And so you're kind of just left with a lot of questions just surrounding the league, not even really the teams. I mean, I saw a piece, I think, by Clay Horning from the Norman Transcript, I believe. And he was mentioning that who OU was bringing them to Big 12 Media Day basically like equated to what Oklahoma football is now. And it was not that great, you know? Um, and so what, what, what is your opinion on it? Like, is there any other thing that this means to you that there is so much parody heading into Oklahoma's last season in the big 12? Not, not a crazy amount. I think it's just going to be a fun conference because it's not really that bad of a conference. It's yeah, just not no. that many high end teams like there is in the sec and the big 12. You're not going to have your Alabama's, your Georgia's, your Ohio States. Right. Uh, but your middle ground is just in a lot of ways, it's, it's better than the I, SEC right now. I think now. you're going to have a great product. I think yeah, like your middle think, yeah. tier of teams is, is it's an exciting matchup and you're going to have those. I mean, you're going to have several top 25 matchups here and there. They'll fall out and you know, sure. how the rankings go, but yeah, you're going to have several fun games. And, you know, for the most part, this is probably the most exciting the schedule's been for the big 12, at least. And, a decade, two decades. No, I don't want to say two decades, but you know, by 2010. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, you don't know who's going to win. You're going to have more exciting games because of the parody. You have more competitive games and stuff that people want to tune into. I mean, and at a reasonable hour, I mean, it's not like it's packed 12 after dark when they are starting a game basically at midnight or 11 o'clock. Uh, and so it's, it's just different. And so, like you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, Big 12 Media Days really soon. I mean, we are in July now. We're heading into that second week uh, pretty soon here. And um, what questions might you ask? And, like, you can just have one or two if you wanted. What questions would might you ask the guys that are attending Big 12 Media Days, specifically for the Sooners or maybe other teams and their players uh, and or the commission as well uh, that Oklahoma is going to spend Oklahoma and Texas are going to spend one season with. Yeah. If you're going for like Brent Venables, I think the obvious question is just how much did you learn from that one season? Like you like, do you recognize that some of those mistakes were on you as far as just like play calling uh, timeouts, situational awareness? Like what have you taken away from that first season and you are, and you're going to bring into this upcoming season for Oklahoma. And I think that's, it's probably going to be asked. I think someone's going to ask it pretty soon, but mm. that's like the questions, what people want to know. They don't want to know about recruiting. They don't want to know about, you know, position coaches. It's like you as a head coach, you know, what have you done to grow since last season? So that would sure. be the one, the one question I would ask for you. Sarkeesian, I'd have a little bit more fun. I'm like, how are you going to, how are you going to deal with this quarterback situation? Because you know the boosters are going to want Manning, but you mm-hmm. want yours, and you have all this money split split between the two, mm-hmm. and you're, so you're going to have these competitive parties. Like, hey, I'm giving your quarterback a million dollars. I want to see him on the field so I can have him at my dealership to sign autographs one day. So there's so many outlier or outside forces trying to get your influence. Like, how are you going to deal with that? Sure. Um. And, and you're not wrong, right? I mean, these are legitimate questions that need to be asked. I mean, heck, my my stuff for Brent is similar to yours. Um, I've I've curated a few just questions in general, or just inquiries that people would are definitely going to ask and get vanilla answers unless you ask a very specific question. 
Um, so like for Brent, I'd say like, Hey, so like you mentioned, what did you learn? Uh, my question would have been somewhere centered around the idea of, so after your first year as an official, like division one and hot blue chipper head coach, um, what are the differences between or that you noticed between being a defensive coordinator and being a college football head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners? Uh, because those kind of things are totally, totally different. Those, those responsibilities are totally different. Um, for the commish, I would just ask a simple horns down, horns up, like, is this cool? I mean, you seem to be cool with everything else. Like even like asking irate head coaches, how they're doing during the middle of a game and during the middle of a play, kind of like the XFL. <laughs> and so like horns down should definitely be allowed. Yes. Question mark. Because bulls be, you know, you guys sucks, man. Like fun, ruins the fun And like Oklahoma. Wasn't even the one that ruined the horns down. It was West Virginia. Yeah. That's what pisses me off about it too. Like then, like what the West Virginia game happened, it was a big deal, and then suddenly Oklahoma couldn't do it. It's like, why the hell? Why are we implicated in this mess? Like, that, I thought that was bullshit. So, for that's for your Mac, I would say that for Stutz, I would just simply ask with the linebacker room, like, hey, uh, who's starting next to you, <laughs> and see what kind of answer I got. Because, I mean, there's realistically only a couple names, right? I mean, you got Canick and McKenzie. You have Connor near there as well. Stop. You gotta you gotta stop. What, what is it? Ferris State? I'm just saying there's there's some talk out there. Is the talk from Connor? Uh no, no, it's not. But I think there's some impressions that he's a guy that, that could come in and challenge for that second spot. What makes you say that? What who 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 you been talking to? I, who who you talk to? I don't give away my sources. Sauces. But I think if you look at that second spot, Kobe McKenzie, a guy that hasn't played in a year just because mm-hmm. of his ACL injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kip Lewis, another guy that I think he's got really high upside. But They love, right? They love him. And like if he can get to where he needs to be physically, he's the guy. I think Kobe McKenzie's not the guy. If Kip Lewis puts on the you know, 10, 12 pounds he needs to, I think he's the easy shoe in. But Right now, you know, Connor Neer is a guy that's played a lot of football, really experienced, kind of like, you know, the reasoning behind TCU. He's a guy that has more physical upside right now, and he's a guy that has experience. I didn't hear you mention Canick once during that. Is he that behind? Is he that far behind? I just didn't talk about Canick. Like, Canick's probably penciled in right now. But What if it's Shane Witter? You have a lot of problems. <laughs> Because if you look at it like no offense, you have a mixed Shane, bag. if you're listening, no offense, Shane, if you're listening, like Shane Witter should have already taken a spot. But Jaron Kanek, a guy that's still sure. learning the position, didn't sure. really play a ton of linebacker. Caused Kip a lot Lewis, of fumbles last year when he's on the field. A lot of linebacker, yeah, uh, not very big. And then you have Kobe McKenzie, who played a lot, a lot of linebacker, but had a pretty serious knee injury, and he's coming back from that. So sure, that's kind of your linebacker battle. And then you have Connor Near, who is healthy has the weight but maybe you know maybe it's not the best fit yeah and i, I, I think it's early on okay why not i think i think it's perfectly okay 
Um, we're going to learn a lot about this linebacker room and how fast they are acclimating to a Brent Venables defense for, uh, in the season. Like, just really quick. It's not like Oklahoma's just playing duds for their first three games. They're playing guys that like to throw the ball. And those airways uh, between the defensive line and the secondary are super important to Brent's defense. I mean, he's not a, a just play man and blitz kind of guy. He's playing a lot of zone. Those linebackers got to move a lot of places and have to have their heads on a swivel. So I'm really curious about that. Uh, and the last one I would ask is just like to Dylan Gabriel is uh, I just ask, I just, I look at him with like really sad eyes. I'm like, why do you ever just like, why do you ever throw so much? And it hurts a lot of people's feelings. And especially the wide receivers, like why just, why do you do it? Do you do it intentionally to hurt my feelings or or do you do it just to make people mad? Are you doing I hope you just say it's a footwork problem. Gotta that's set like, your feet. That's literally the only thing I look at when I am watching uh, any sort of game that Oklahoma played in from last year. Any highlights or like actual full games. I look at on specific plays, especially if it's a completion or a way overthrow or what interception, what have you. I look at where they're, where his feet are planted. And there's a lot of times it's off his back, his back foot, uh, his stance is super wide. His foot, footwork is super sloppy. That's like something that needs to be corrected. And like, if he gets even semi-corrected and makes his productive production, which was pretty significant last year, Oklahoma had a, like, despite all the narratives, Oklahoma had a pretty productive offense, despite the fact that, well, they had to, pun it so often that they got the ball a lot. So, you know, they, they had to run a lot of plays as well, but I mean, the guy can spin it. He just, he, uh, it's average quarterback play. That's all it is. Just, just asking for a little bit extra, you know, would you ask Dana Holgerson anything? I want to know if he has the, uh, the Red Bull, uh, NIL deal yet. I, because you know he's just pounding those on the sideline. I'm wondering how he doesn't have like Chucker Skullet hats like on <laughs> like on on pound as far as like buying them. Let's just say like Holgo on the front. He's like one of the more polarizing figures. Like it's good to have him back in the Big Twelve, even if it's only just for a year. Yeah. Oh, Dana Holgerson. Lots of throwing the ball and lots of antics. That man gets angry. Yeah. He's like a funny Matt Campbell. Like Matt Campbell, he gets angry and it's just like, come on, dude. But Holgerson, it's it's a show. Brian Kelly gets angry. He might kill an intern. <laughs> and which is not funny, but you know, you gotta be careful. You gotta be gotta be careful around those fake Cajun accents, okay? You, you can spot a fake. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there, you know, to the universe. But man. That's all I got for this week. We're going to have a lot more content, especially next week and the year and the week after, especially. Um, yeah, anything to plug? Uh, the Devon Mitchell uh, announcements coming up on Saturday, the uh, the eighth. So that's one where I think last week four star uh, tight end, uh, four or five star, depending mm-hmm. on what service you use. But sure. uh, last week, I think everyone's well aware of what Miami did as far as just make this huge NIL bid towards Devon Mitchell. And this week, 
to OU's credit, that's that hasn't been the conversation. So, um, pretty interesting recruitment. The rest, what next three days or so, two days. So, one to watch. I don't think it's over, but it feels like Oklahoma, maybe for the first time ever, is kind of outbid somebody. <gasps> Joe John did a job, and the NIL got maybe a boosters involved. Maybe, maybe. I mean, how do you think Oklahoma got Dejon Terry? Let's be honest. Mm. It's not a doll in the Jones. Happy meals. Happy meals. Yeah, lots of happy meals. in Tennessee, but cookie cakes. <laughs> yeah, cookie cakes. So we'll see. Like even the Peyton Bowen thing, Oregon threw a lot of money at Peyton Bowen, and that recruitment was simply wasn't about the highest price tag, but. With Devon Mitchell, I think NIL means a little bit more to him than maybe a Peyton Bowen. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We're going to have, uh, oh, what's that bakery in Norman that's kind of like uh, famous? Oh, gosh. It's not really uh, famous, but it's it's, it's like kind of like, I don't want to say basic. It's the one everybody goes to. It's like, is it La Baguette? Is that is that it? Is that a bakery? I thought it was like a French restaurant. Dude, I don't know. There's some bakery, and... Uh, All I know is we'll talk about our, our favorite bakeries on Discord as well, which yeah. is free to join. You are, and I and I wholly endorse that. Like, and Get on the Discord, um, especially if you're not into the whole Threads app, which is basically the same thing as Twitter, uh, but join the Discord anyways. <laughs> uh, that's, what I would, that's what I would say. It's going to be in the bio of this podcast. Um, again... Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to everybody for being loyal listeners and to our new listeners that you'll see us on threads. You'll see us on Twitter. Uh, you'll see, you can have the YouTube stream up too as well. You can comment all other good stuff. Uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm, you can see it on the screen for watching on YouTube at K underscore Moravian or on threads at, at K underscore at K underscore Moravian underscore. Uh, Steven's going to set his up later, but on Twitter, he's at OU update SB. Um, and we will check you guys later.